With Capella University's FlexPath learning format, you can earn your degree online at your own pace and get support from people who care about your success. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. How old were your kids when you got divorced? Oh, I think Hunter was seven. Um, Olivia was five and you know, Grayson was was uh, two. And very, and so like, you know, the seven-year-old and the five-year-old, you would read them stories to, to sleep at night. Did they ever have a nightmare and, you know, you would go downstairs and see what the nightmare was about and comfort them? Oh, yeah. No, I, have, I remember, um, <laughs> this is a funny story. Uh, I was in my house and I was writing. I just think written, I'd sold an article to FHM magazine. It was when I first started writing. And I had a Heineken. I remember I was sitting in my chair. I was writing on my laptop. I had my Heineken. I put my Heineken down because I heard Olivia. She was crying from her bedroom. So I go back in there. I go and I comfort her. She's having a nightmare. I walk out. My beer is flipped over. And I was like, man, I think it was three quarters full. And it's gone. There's not a big mess. I'm like, okay, that doesn't... I go in the fridge. I get another Heineken. And I come out. And then then I see my two-year-old son, Grayson, Walking around, and he's got this like swagger. Oh I'm like, he drank the beer. <laughs> Two years old. So I get on my. I called my friend. Very Glenn. Uh, prodigious children. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think it was Glenn or Eric, one of my my medic buddies in the SEAL team. Like, hey, this happened. He's like, hey, just keep an eye on him as long as he's you know he's doing this. He's like, you should be okay. So again, <laughs> you, I had to tell you, my you, wife your like, source just... of wisdom. You called <laughs> when you had a little fear. But what I was yeah. going to get to was when you're going through a divorce. <laughs> you're not. You you realize one of the things you realize is you, you're not going to be around those kids ever again in the same way. It's not going to be like when they're going to school. You're with them those 250 days of the year yeah. straight. Uh, and I I actually think this is a great topic, and people don't talk about divorce and family enough because it's just like this elephant in the room that nobody wants to talk about it. And and I feel like especially judged because I don't live with my kids full time. I don't. I don't know what your arrangement. I don't live but... with my kids full time. My, my kids are with. Are, they were just with me for for uh, different amounts of weeks, and this is their last week with them. And uh, so maybe that's why I was thinking yeah. of this. But I, but I just want to mention when when I read about your divorce and the kids. One thing I was thinking was when I got divorced, the thing I was afraid of the most, and this really almost incapacitated me, was that I would not be able to be there when they woke up in the middle of the night having a nightmare. Yeah. I was no there was probably never going to happen again. Yeah. Even though, you know, it could happen when they were staying with me, but it's a random event, so it may never happen again. And I wonder if you if you were if that was a a thought, yeah, a fear. I, I mean I had this I would the when I divorced, I was I was coaching Little League and 
enjoyed it. I had this vision of fatherhood for the future, and and we were in marriage counseling, and when we decided to to end the relationship, um, and it was really her. I was holding on to it. I I didn't want to be a failure, and we decided. Thankfully, we had a great lady we were working with that really helped us have a good divorce um, and be friend, build and work at a friendship that we have a, a strong bond today. Um, but yeah, I, I was af- I was afraid I'd just lost this whole vision of what I thought being a dad was going to be like and was in an empty house alone by myself having to have the conversations with the neighbors. Where's your wife? Where's your kids? Yeah, those shameful conversations. Yeah, having to bump into the Little League commissioner. Hey, you coaching this year? So I had to deal with all that stuff. Um, and again, that feeling and, of I'm not... They could be having a nightmare tonight and I'm not going to be able to comfort them. Yeah, or they get bullied at school and yeah. I'm not going to be there. So, you know, I would... And, you know, our situation was unique. Um, I, my wife at the time had this... Had a good family support system. They had this beautiful ranch in Northern California. She's like, I want to go up there. And she was dealing with stuff. And she, and the psychologist we were working with said, Look, you know, happy mom, happy kids. You got to support her in this. And I was like, No, the law says this. You know, you can't move out of the county. But I, I made peace with it. And then over time, we built this amazing relationship to the point where even the in laws kind of take sides in the beginning. But we start, started setting the example and both the, the our sets of parents kind of fell in. And today I, I get text messages from my former mother-in-law, like congratulations on the new book. So we have this like amazing relationship. So, so like, like when you're first going through it though, and you're like, you're, you know, you feel this, this palpable loneliness, particularly because, you know, you're torn away from your children for the first time. Maybe I'm dramatizing it too much, but uh, how did you tell yourself, Okay, I'm going to deal with this fear, and then what's the, what was the jumping off point? You jumping off is part of your process yep. in in dealing with fear. What was your jumping off point where you're like, okay, my relationship with my kids are going to be different, but it's going to be great. I'm going to make it great in my own way. Yeah, that was. I don't know, remember what moment it was, but that was that was the catalyst, right? I realized, okay, my the nature, my relationship with my kid has changed. My idea of what it fatherhood is in the future has changed how do i have a positive how do i create this into a positive and make it the best situation possible and so i came up with a plan we decided look for stability let's not do this back and forth stuff they'll be with you you'll be with your family on your family's ranch um, which helps us you know that she had a, a beautiful house to stay in in uh, paso robles and just decided, okay, this is how we're going to, um, this is how uh, we're going to have a, a parent, a co-parenting relationship in the future. And I would get the kids in the summer, and we'd have a winter holiday. And we, and so I, I said, I'm going to build a tradition of adventure in the summer, and then we're going to take this family ski trip in the winter. And I taught the kids from nothing um, in, into expert skiers. My daughter's on the ski race team this year in, in high school. Um, so I created this tradition and, you know, we FaceTime and we, we have, we have our way and it's a very positive environment. I, when I can, you know, and their mom got remarried, had two more daughters. Her husband's a great guy. He's a chiropractor um, up in Oregon. 
And I literally have the kind of relationship where it was not last Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving before, I have an investment property in Oregon. I went up there and I said, look, how about I just cook dinner, Thanksgiving dinner for everybody? So all her family came over, her husband, and I cooked Thanksgiving dinner and we're like, you know, sharing stories. That's a kind of relationship I have. And so again, it's it's this focus on always being self-aware when I mean, and this is what we just talked about was not necessarily fear, but also depression. Your same process yeah. applies. And like the process itself is um let me find where I bookmarked it. The process itself is decision, coming to the decision of dealing with the fear, um, rehearsal, kind of I guess getting in safe scenarios where you could encounter the fear, but you know very deeply it's not going to harm you. Uh, letting go, really deciding that, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to feel the fear and I'm going to somehow sit with it and figure out new ways to, to deal with it. Jumping off where now you have to really come up with a, a long-term plan of, of dealing with the fear or the depression or whatever. And then what I think is the most important, what you say is the most important is knowing what matters. Yeah. And I remember when I was reading in your book about knowing what matters, I was thinking, boy, this is going to be great. I'm going to get in this podcast <laughs> and I'm going to say, that reminds me of Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl, the stories you're telling. And then like the very next page, it's just like Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor <laughs> Frankl. So I'm like, oh, Brandon thought of it. But uh, knowing what matters is, I mean, that's how Viktor Frankl, as an example, survived uh you know the worst concentration camps in in World War II and so many people didn't that's how knowing what matters like your kids in this case allows you to to go all the way back and make the decision I need to deal with this fear yeah. uh I need to I need to figure out how to let go how to jump off uh because what matters to me is is my family I think that's such an important also precursor skill yeah. no, absolutely no, I think it's one of the I mean, the reason I put it at the end because it's it's so important, and I see so many people, and you probably experience this too. They go, uh, James, I want to be rich, and you're like, okay, what's rich? What's the number? They don't even know what the number is, right? And 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 they and you bring up the point, like you 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 turn a lot of kind of self help advice upside down, but you bring a, up the point that uh, uh, it's it's BS to say. Money's not important because obviously it is important. Yeah. Uh, if if you could do a lot of things with money, you know, hopefully good. Unfortunately, some bad, but in, hopefully people listening to this do do good things with it, and you can enjoy life. You, you can pursue your passions more if you have some money, and that's why we're, we're all trying to succeed and build careers and so on. But fear, you know, just going for money will never get you there. Hey, just a quick reminder, go claim your copy of my free book called Fact Me at jamesaltshire.com slash FAQ. It's a collection of questions people have asked me over the years, ranging from how to come up with good ideas, all the way to my views on online dating or who would win in a fight, Batman or Spider-Man. Just head on over to jamesaltshire.com slash FAQ. That's jamesaltshire.com slash FAQ. Thanks so much. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. 
that crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.